And we are live. Okay. So would you like me to introduce my character? That'd be great, Victoria. Okay. So my character's name is Ermengarde Ward, and she belongs to high society Boston, or at least she once did. Um, she was raised in a very wealthy family um, of great note, much to her grave disappointment. Um, it was always sort of an outcast in her family. Not that that seemed to stop her grandmother's interest in her. Um, so, though she spent more time online reading Reddit and other websites and researching uh, her understanding of the occult, or at least what she thought was true occult, um, and less time building her social web and learning to walk properly and entertain correctly and, you know, all the things she was supposed to be learning. Still, she was called for, um, for debutante ball along with her other cousins and other notable people in Boston. Um, and it was not the changing experience that she thought it was going to be. Um, during the ball, which turned out to have the expected sort of hors d'oeuvres and fancy dress and boring conversation. Uh, but then also the family ritual uh, that she did not seem to fully be prepared for or even fully survive. Um, this ball hosted in a beautiful hall in Boston um, and catered by one of the many charitable groups that her family donated to, uh, which employed some of the homeless and disenfranchised in Boston. Um, and somehow always seemed to have a series of unfortunate accidents that followed it, but such things are, you know, to be expected and potentially even easily covered up. Um, uh, because At the of how easy it should be to cover this up, I actually think that maybe it didn't happen in the heart of Boston, but maybe more north of Boston, towards the town of Ipswich. Ooh. In a, uh, a nice rural area. You might have been to the mansion before. It, uh, oh. Down a long winding road deep in the woods, New England style. Yeah, there's some wonderful, weird parts of Ipswich. So that sounds lovely. Um, that's good old Massachusetts tea. Um, I mean, I feel it makes more sense for them to live not in Boston proper either. You know, Boston sort of where the society is, but not where their, you know, big sprawling home is. Um, but anyway, at the ball, or at the, the sort of party, uh, there's a ritual held. Um, and as part of that ritual, Ermengarde seemingly died and was discarded. Um, or so can be her only conclusion, because the next thing she remembered was waking up 
in the bottom of the family crypt amongst a series of other young ladies, uh, some of which look very familiar to the other attendees to the ball, <laughs> and some of them to the wait staff and people that had been serving or, or working um, too. No one obviously injured, but obviously not alive. Uh, um, with the, how they died though, I think that some of them might have visible wounds. Do you feel like that's more likely on the, the wait staff or more likely on the um, girls who are attendees formally? I think that perhaps both for mm. the um, for the girls and maybe not just girls too. I think that you could have had some male cousins who are also invited to these balls. Sure, uh, there is an extensive hedge maze. <laughs> Jojo's in for the story. <laughs> uh, uh, so. As all good manor houses uh, are, this manor house has a name. It is Ham Manor. And uh, in the hedge maze, you were introduced to this idea by your family after a night of dancing and socializing, which uh, maybe Ermengarde, is that how you say your name? Mm -hmm. So you have some dots and socialize. So you were doing pretty well during that aspect of it. But then you were brought outside uh, and told that there were going to be further festivities, fireworks and things like that. By this point, you were already exhausted, if not physically, just exhausted of the social tension in those rooms. Uh, and as you are led out towards the hedge maze, each cousin, and only the cousins are invited to attend this, is handed a flintlock pistol. Oh, I like that. <laughs> uh, you're brought out to the hedge maze where you are told to enter in one at a time. And before you enter in, your grandmother, who is standing with a number of strangers who you haven't necessarily met before, um, including a, a frail, older-looking woman as well, much older than your grandmother, who is in surprisingly good health, very spry for her age. Um, and a, uh, there's this man with, like, Moana Maori tattoos all over his face. He's huge. He looks very out of place in the otherwise very white crowd. Um, and he is holding a white rabbit. The rules of the game are explained to you, and it doesn't sound uh, too much different from other elements that you had probably encountered on family hunting trips. They're going to release the rabbit into the maze. And after they release the rabbit into the maze, all the cousins go into the maze and try to catch the rabbit. Okay, I like this. Fox hunting trip meets like Harry Potter. Um, 
very goblin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you. I like that too because that makes a really good excuse for why things go wrong. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, in fact, what could go wrong with handing a bunch of essentially teenagers still? You're 18, 19? Yeah, I would say like 18. Okay. Um, and I would say probably... Why would that ever be a bad idea? <laughs> it's a great idea. Give them all flintlock pistols. After um, they time of dancing and whining and drinking and, you know, um, and it's dark and let mm -hmm. them go. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is that you have been given a pistol that is loaded as well as more shot and powder, which of course you will need to figure out in the darkness how to reload this gun if you have to take a second shot. How is Ermengarde feeling about this situation? Um, she never liked the fox hunts in the first place. Um, so definitely someone who probably preferred, you know, sort of riding around on horses to actually hunting. Um, so not loving this, but is also happy to be removed from the conversation part and figures it's fine. She won't actually really pursue the rabbit that heavily. She can wander around the maze. She can avoid people in the maze wait to hear enough other shots, a yell of excitement. Great. She'll shoot her musket in, or her flintlock into the air or into the ground or something. So it seems like she's made a good try of it and then can come out looking, you know, <sighs> well, you know, I tried and hopefully get to go to bed soon after. <laughs> I like it. It's a very good plan. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> there are different Edge mages stop bullets perfectly, so. <laughs> uh, the maze is quite thick, at least five feet where you can see it, and quite tall, at least 20 feet tall. It's been grown for generations. And there are multiple entrances to the maze, and each cousin is led to a different entrance of this maze. The entrance that you are led to is kind of away. Oh, it's Charlie. Hey. I just Hello. Got What's up? <laughs> uh, are you still alive? We I'm just gonna... started the awakening, so. Oh my god, I'm just gonna listen in and pet the cat in the background. Sounds like Here. a good idea. Cats on both sides. Cats for the win. Protect <laughs> our souls. Thank you for not making it hunt a cat, or I just would be like, <laughs> uh, Actually, in my other vampire game, I had a starving vampire, and he happened to run into a cat. She was just about to frenzy, and she refused to eat that cat. Good vampire. <laughs> this old vampire, however, was willing to murder a dog walker and drink all of her blood. Bing. Oh, kitty cats. Understandable. Kitty cat's very nice. Oh. You couldn't drink me. I'm putting out me. I could catch a bunny, though. <laughs> All right. Sorry, as you are. Uh, so you're kind of like on your own 
and the opening shot rings. So there's the first gunshot. Okay. Um, probably flinch, you know, a little bit. Never really enjoyed that sound. Um, and wait a second. Like, maybe this is all over already. Someone already got the rabbit. And decide that probably the best course of action is to kind of follow the perimeter of the maze the best I can, knowing that most people are probably trying to go as close to the middle. Now, following the perimeter is probably much harder than it seems. We're trying to take a look at, like, the sky and use it as a general reference to see that hopefully I'm kind of staying towards the, the outside. Can I hear the party a little bit more, things like that. <laughs> yeah, I think that this would be a great time for our first roll of the game. If you Ooh, all right, grab yeah. some dice. Jojo, do you want to get dice for me? No, you don't. You're a cat. <laughs> we can just cut this part out. It's D10s, right? That's correct. So whenever you roll in this game, you're going to be rolling D10s equal to how many dots you have in, usually in attribute, plus a skill. So oh, okay. um, it could also be two attributes. So for example, if you wanted to just listen really carefully, the observation rule in this game is a wits plus composure check. So you can roll a number of dice equal to your wits plus your composure. Alternately, you could use something like your intelligence academics pool to try to use the stars to guide you or anything, anything that you would suggest as your dice roll for the situation. Okay, I think I'm going to start by using the general sound of anything going on outside around me mm -hmm. to try to if that allows me to hug the perimeter the best. Um, and if that doesn't work, we'll see if I can use the stars and all. But on second thought, the maze is probably not quite big enough to use the stars too successfully unless I've gone far, far, far off course. So let's start by listening. So for listening, that would be, what did you say, investigation plus? Uh, let's just have, it's wits and composure. They're both attributes. Wits and composure. Okay, so it's five altogether. So I roll five dice. Mm -hmm. And every time you get an eight or higher, that counts as a success. Okay. So I have rolled a nine, an eight, a two, a one, and a five. That's two successes. And I'm gonna tell you two pieces of information. The first piece of information is that you definitely hear people moving through the maze as you are going along. The other thing that you realize is the path that you are on is not in fact hugging the exterior. It veers towards the middle and you're able to detect that because you're pretty good at mazes. The question okay. is, do you turn around and try to find your way back? Or do you want to keep going deeper towards the center of the maze? We've decided the hedge is like five feet thick, right? Correct. You could also okay. try to work your way through, but it would take a skill roll. Yeah, I was going to say, how about I want to back up until I feel like I've maybe moved a little... 
Do I hear anyone particularly close to me? As you stand still, you do hear someone. Or maybe it's the rabbit. It's soft. It just sounds like a little bit of rustling coming through the hedge to your left. Okay. I'm going to kind of crouch down so I'm a little bit closer to the, the ground, assuming that any wild shots might be shot like more straight kind of chest level. And I'm going to sort of crawl, spoiling my down, I'm sure, in the process, but mm. whatever. Um, crawl kind of in the direction and peek around the corner to see if it's by any chance the rabbit. Um, do it as stealthily as I can. All right, that sounds like a dexterity plus stealth check. Dexterity plus stealth. Where is stealth? Skill? I think it's under physical skills. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, I actually took something, so. One, two, four. For a world of two dice that were successful and two of the other ones. Uh, a one, a five, and two sevens. So that's no successes. Yeah, that was not a great plan. <laughs> a, if you would like for a point of experience, essentially, you can choose to take that failure and turn it into a dramatic failure. Ooh. Okay. Let's say I will do that. Okay. I, I do you do my like crawl around the corner? Do I get to pick how it dramatically fails? Um, or suggest yeah, you can suggest fails? how it dramatically fails. Could it be that like I do try to crawl around the corner, but in doing so, like the skirt of my sort of gossamer white gown looks kind of like a bunny rabbit, and maybe someone takes a shot either that hits my feet or grazes my feet, or at least comes very close to me thinking that like me on the ground now is the rabbit. Um. That's exactly what happens. So you come around the corner and you're really, really low and they fire a shot. That shot impacts right above your head and it explodes the bushes right next to you in like a shower of leaves. You can't see who it is. And more than that, you now have a condition. Your condition is scared. Okay. Do I write conditions down on my sheet anywhere? Yes. Um, so as long as you are scared, you're going to be taking a penalty to any bravery checks, resolve plus composure checks that you would make. And you can resolve this condition and get another experience point um, if you run from the source of your fear in a blind manner. Okay. I think I will do that. Okay. Um, can I try to dive into the bush that just exploded and run that way or just run headlong into the maze? I think that you have to run headlong into the maze because it would be so slow trying to like dig your way through these thick bushes that your character isn't even considering it. It's just okay. too long, you would get shot. And honestly, you don't even trust all of your cousins. Some of those guys are really jerks. They enjoy the fox hunts way too much. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say I kind of kick off my fancy shoes and just bolt into the maze barefoot. Um, so you're running? 
uh, through this maze. The air is cold. You aren't dressed for this. You're still holding your gun in white knuckled hands. Um, you round a corner, you round another corner, you reach a split, you pick one of the directions and you just go. And then you see an animal, but it's not a rabbit. What animal is it? Ooh. Is it a real animal? Possibly. Or, or some sort of, I mean, hmm. Can it be a bird that when I startle makes a terribly large noise? A sort of like a very giveaway to the situation sort of squealing noise that to maybe a thick-headed cousin a squealy animal is a squealy animal but to me it's just something that's just sort of alerted everyone to my position the thing I so desperately do not want um, it's a crow okay do that, and it's too late for crows this is like pretty late at night its eyes are glistening in the moonlight that peers through the clouds near you. And you swear that it says, another one for the pile. Ooh. Excuse me? <laughs> You're gonna die, says the bird in English. I'm gonna, out of terror, shoot at the bird. <laughs> Wanna roll me a dexterity plus firearms check? Yes. Victoria hates shooting this bird, but Ermengarde's real scared. Um, I got a 10, a 1, and a 5. Um, with the 10, the blast <laughs> hits part of its feathers, which explode away, and it goes <laughs> and flaps wounded over the hedge and drops on the other side. Okay. Um, now with terrified shaky hands, I'm going to try to reload my gun. How many reloads do I have? How many bullets did they give me? Um, a lot of bullets, like 20 shots, um, maybe enough powder for that. You the setting number if all we're doing is hunting a, a rabbit? Okay. Um, I think okay. that for reloading the gun, it's actually going to take a dice roll because you're so scared. In a normal situation where you had all this time, you wouldn't have to reload, but why don't you give me a firearms plus composure check? And okay. uh, because you are trained in, and uh, it's one of your specialties in archaic weapons, add a plus one bonus to this pool. So just add a one, one more dice or one more to one of the dice rolls? One more dice. Okay. Oh, that was much better. Um, so a 10, an eight, two sixes, and a seven. All right. So that's two successes, you do it. It's like automatic for you. Your breath as you are loading it, and you realize that the air is very still here. You hear no is other. it any other way weird? Is it colder? Is it... Uh, 
louder or more quiet? Is there any other difference to this, this part of the maze? As you look around, you see that over the hedge which the bird fell, there is actually the top of a water feature. It looks like there is water um, coming out of a fountain or something. It's just barely visible, shooting up over 20 feet above the hedge itself. Um, you've never been inside this hedge maze, but you can imagine that with the amount of money that the families gathered here have, that they could make a really impressive fountain. I'm going to try to make my way to the fountain, thinking if nothing else, splashing a little water on my face might help like settle me down a little bit. Um, are you going to try to dig through the bushes or are you going to try to find a way through the maze? How far away does it seem like it is? It seems very close if you go through the hedge itself, but it might be much further if you try to follow the maze. Okay, I'm going to take my loaded, but obviously not like cocked revolver, jam it into my sort of gown or holster, whatever they gave me, and try to dig my way through the hedge in my gauzemere gown. This is gonna be great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that gown definitely rips. There are thorns in these bushes for some reason. Um, and your arms get cut, you're pulling yourself through, um, and you see on the other side that there's this massive mountain. It's got maybe a 20 foot diameter and it is 20 feet tall itself with the water shooting up just beyond that. It has all of these different, almost inhuman faces. They're like gargoyles and screaming angels, women, children, um, people who they look like they have too many eyes. And as you're looking at the fountain, it starts to get disturbing. But just as that's happening, you see motion. Someone comes around the corner of the hedge and they fire. You're trapped in the hedge as they do this. And you see the bullet almost in slow motion, a round spear coming towards you. Uh, you hear the crow cry, and then it sinks into your chest, and you die. Ooh. <laughs> so, did not win the hedge mage game. <laughs> you are pulled lifeless from the hedge across the grounds back to the manor, into a side entrance, not near any um, company that would object to seeing a dead body. Uh, you are dragged into the castle itself, and you are laid on a wooden table. A lever is pulled, a la Sweeney Todd, a mechanical um, engine, flips the body down onto a massive pile of bodies. I should note that you've been conscious that entire time. Ooh. <laughs> so only 
outside of your body and kind of watching it. Okay. It, it's hard to make out anything in particular because it's kind of like you're zoomed in so closely on your pale, lifeless corpse as you are dragged through. And you can tell that the shot that hit you went directly into your heart, just a little bit to the left, in the center of your chest. Can I tell who either A, fired the shot, or B, carried my body away? Which one would you like to know more? Hmm. Carried my body. The person who carried your body was that tattooed man. The guy who's got all of those Maori tattoos on his face and on his arms. He's wearing a long, beaten, weathered coat. Um, and he looks as though this doesn't phase him at all. He says nothing to your dead body as he puts it on the table. And emotionless, he pulls the lever. Obviously not the first time he's done this. <laughs> or so it would seem. Mm. Okay. How upsetting. <laughs> also upsetting is that you recognize several people on the pile of bodies here with you. Mm. One of your favorite cousins. She always no. brought him a little bit more than you. Uh, <laughs> And you also recognize several of the servants who you saw here at the party. There's something different about them. And even as you are floating above your own body, you recognize that they are pale, paler than when you saw them before. What do you do? Am I back in my body yet or am I still floating up above. Right now you're still floating above your body, above this pile of bodies. Someplace dark. Okay. I'm going to try to see if I can like basically force myself back down to my physical self. Like, can I reach down and touch myself? Can I kind of crawl my way to the air back down to the earth at all. The journey into your body should have been fast. You can see it right there. But as you move towards it, you can feel, like it's like you're walking down a long, cold hallway. And then you are. Your footsteps echo on the ground. And then you see it shining before you the white light of the afterlife. Something tells you that you shouldn't go towards it, that you can't go towards it, not now. Is it alluring though, the white light? It should be, but it isn't. Instead, Ooh. it's chilling. It's Sorry. You understand that when you go to that white light, you will be dead. And part of you does want for an end to this. But another stronger part of you is obsessed with making sure that this doesn't happen to anyone ever again.
okay, I think I'm going to try to cry out and see if my I make any sort of sound. Um, no. Then I am going to try to force myself back up this staircase and as much as I can in my, my sort of ghost body, like cover or close my eyes so I, I can't see the light mm -hmm. or I'm at least as much possible, like not, not absorbing it at all. Right. Like trying to have it have no draw or power or anything over me. Cause I kind of fight my way away from it. So you don't have hands, but you do feel blinders as you will them over your eyes. And as you do that, you hear your own voice, the scream that you tried to make. It doesn't come from you, but it echoes from all around you. Sorts changing into other screams, other voices, and you see them all, the people on the body and more, uh, the bodies on the pile and more, so many more, and they're all screaming and you break away from it and you look up and you see that there is a coin on the ground. It's small and kind of like a grayish silver with a skull upon it. Am I still the, the ethereal version of myself? Okay, I'm going to see if there's any way I can reach down and grab it despite not having like a corporal body or will it towards me or something. In some way, try to grab said coin. Um, also try to will myself to block out my ears in the same way I blocked out my eyes. Um, All right, you, um, you'd make it to the coin with a hand that is more a hand than you had felt it before. And gossamer fingers touch the cold edge of the coin and pick it up towards you. You can see now that there is kind of like a gray nothingness wasteland around you. And you can hear somewhere in that wasteland that there is kind of like a, um, it sounds like metal dropped from a great height. It's like coins clattering. What do you do? All around I can hear that sound? On the ground you can and, hear that sound. And does it happen as soon as I touch the coin? Yes. Okay, I'm going to try to squeeze harder onto the coin and see if the sound either becomes more or less. More. As you think about the sound and as you hold the coin, its edges biting into your ghostly hands, it, it becomes louder and louder until it's almost like a waterfall of noise. And then when you open your eyes, you're standing at an old-fashioned teller's table like you might see at a bank, like a Gringotts even. Okay. Behind the counter, there are a number of small men. Their skin is gray and kind of um, misshapen, and you can't look at them for too long unless you really focus in on it. 
and around you there are also all these um, featureless shades like you you feel that they are dead but um, unlike you 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 feel like they have no agency it's like they're mindless going up to the counter one at a time they present paperwork to the counter and then uh they the ground drops out from underneath them and they fall away this is a totally different space than the crypt right like i can't see my actual body or anything anymore mm -hmm. um Okay. I don't want to fill out that paperwork. Um, are there other coins or anything that seem to have been the, the source of the sound that I can see? As you look around for that sound, you can see that instead of a wall behind those small gray men, there is actually, uh, it's like a waterfall those gray greens. They look identical to the one in your hand and they're just pouring down from the vast blackness and they head down into another vast blackness but you can hear them hitting something down there. A concrete ending. Hmm. What else is in this room? So there's the counter, there's people depositing paperwork, there, are there doors or anything into or out of the space, or does it just seem to be this as far as I can see? As you look around, you see that the uh, featureless specters who are with you make a line that goes out these massive golden doors. They are extravagant, and you can't see much beyond them, but you can tell that the line extends for quite some distance. There is also a staircase. It's a old black iron um, spiral staircase, no guard railing. Up or down? Okay, first I want to sort of reach out and touch one of the specters in the line. Do they respond to me as I like try to reach towards or through them at all? Yes, your, your hand touches them. And as you do, um, it looks like your cousin. It looks like Sarah. She's on the pile. I try to shake her as if I could maybe wake her up, um, sort of frantically shake her. Um, she responds like a child who doesn't want to get up for school. It's not time. I don't want to. Uh, I'm going to try a second time and again try to use my voice to see if I now have a voice too um, and plea with her, you know, get up, we can't stay here, you, you can't go up to that window, come with me, come with me, we can get out um, and just try to pull at her a couple times. Yes, you, um, you hear her kind of like talking to you, but her voice is echoey garbled. And you can hear your own voice now. You can tell it isn't coming from your mouth, though. Hmm. You forcibly pull her from the line. Okay. She's not getting up, though. She doesn't I, want to be. So you could 
pretty easily forcibly pull her, but she seems resistant to move. Okay. Um, I'm going, she's in the line currently. Yes. I'm trying to pull her just out of the line, like to the side of it. Um, I don't want to know what happens to her when she reaches the end of the line. Um, so I'm going to try to see if I can just sort of pull her out of the line and then tell her to wait there. And I'll do my best to be back. She steps out of the line with you and she says, Ermi, what are you doing here? Is that the more, recogn more recognition than she had before? Yes. Um, I hug her. It's cool. And She's cold. Um, kind of rub her shoulders really vigorously and say, I don't know. I don't know why either of us are here, but we have to leave now. And I kind of point to the spiral staircase going up. And I like, I say, I think that's our best go. And I pull her to try to get her to come after with me. Okay. She follows you up the stairs, kind of okay. entranced. She's not really looking at you. She's not really looking around. She's just staring almost at her feet as you pull her up the metal stairs. Which and does up. she, oh, sorry, not to interrupt you, Rudy. Does she look like she's been shot too? Um, there is something strange about her. And as you think about it, you see that she has this, um, her, her dress has been ripped open and there's a hole where her heart should be, a massive bleeding hole, and you can see her ribs that look like they've been pulled back. Oh man, that's more than just plain old first aid. Um, okay, uh, panicked from that observation, kind of grab her hand and pull harder as we go up the stairs. Um, when you go up the stairs, they seem to go up for quite some time. Are you looking up, down, or just at the stairs? Just at the stairs, sort of trying to keep good footing. As you said, it has no sort of railing. So just sort of at the stairs themselves. As you go up the stairs one at a time, the metal is cold and you find yourself almost using your hands to make sure that you don't fall. Each stair has these strange carved um, symbols on it that you've never seen before. And as you go up further and further and further, you, you feel as though they are names. And hmm. then you emerge into a small stone room. And there is a, a black slit almost like an oval to nothingness. And from that slit are pouring a multitude of these small lead coins. They tumble down through grating and what you know must lead down into some sort of slide that pushes them back there. The room is featureless except for a raven, uh, sorry, a crow sitting at a desk. The crow is writing with a quill on a piece of parchment. 
does the crow have a, a damaged wing? Is it the one I shot or a different crow? Um, the crow is missing a wing. Okay. Um, I do my best sort of, you know, formal kind of nod um, and ask the crow can't believe I'm asking a crow for help. Um, you know, sort of run up to the desk and put my, well, do the, the polite sort of greeting and then kind of run up to the desk and more imploringly say, can you help us? Can you help my, my cousin? She's gravely hurt. The crow sets down the quill and looks up at you. Um, Instead of having vibrant, life-filled eyes, the eyes are gone, rotten away. And the says, nothing's free. I back up away from the crow real fast. Um, as far as I can get to the other side of the room. Um, you press yourself against the cold stone. It feels like... Um, almost soft clay though. It looks like hard stone, but you can see that it's kind of like spongy as you press your body into it. Okay, I keep pressing. Um, probably the way that every shy person has always wished they could disappear into a wall and really kind of will myself to like push myself through this wall if I possibly can. Um, are you pushing face forward or backing into it? Back, backing into it. Uh, you push yourself back, back, further and further. You see your cousin walk up to the desk. She's saying something to the crow. And the wall that you are pressing into pulls away. And you can feel a stillness outside of this tower. Do you turn okay. or do you jump through? I'm going to say that, like, I just keep pushing so I jump backslash fall through if the wall suddenly gives way. Um, the wall gives way and you fall, but your leg doesn't come all the way through. The rest of your body pushes through and your leg gets caught. You're hanging upside down, staring into the underworld. Every core you can imagine, all the deaf here, these are the souls who have not found peace. This is the land of regrets. There is something soul-chilling about it, that you know that you're not supposed to be seeing this. Okay. I'm, with all of my no strength, I'm going to try to fold or anyway kind of try to fold or crawl myself back up while yelling, you know, Sarah, Mr. Crow, someone help me, pull me back. As you scramble upwards, you see Sarah. She's extending a hand and she pulls you back in. The wall kind of like reforms around you. Okay. And she I pulls you in to a, a hug as she pulls you up and she says, I can pay the price for 
for you. What? <laughs> and she just turns and she looks at the desk where there is no crow now, but a skeleton. Okay. Crow skeleton or human skeleton? Human skeleton. Like death in a black robe. What are you talking about, Sarah? What price? She doesn't say anything. She just stares impassively at the desk. Okay. I'm going to walk up very slowly and kind of look at whatever is out on the desk right now. It's a list of names. He's writing this long, expansive list of names. And you see your own name at the bottom of the list. You also see Sarah, Sarah Ward, and others that you don't recognize. He's halfway through writing your last name when he looks up at you. The skeleton that is. Um, do I still have the coin? You do. I'm going to shaking handedly put the coin out towards the skeleton um, and ask Oh, nothing initially. I'm just going to silently hold the coin kind of shaken handedly out towards the skeleton. Um, a bony hand reaches out to grasp your hand in the coin. And it takes it. If you release it. How does it feel to have to let go of the coin? Positive, negative, neutral? It feels significant. Okay. Um, and then I point behind me and say, do I have to go there? Kind of pointing at the wall I had just shoved myself through. Um, you're holding the coin still, and they're holding the coin. You're almost holding hands with the skeleton. And they say in all caps in your mind, you all have to go there, but you don't have to go there now. I nod sort of frantically. Um, what is the other choice? Where else can I go? You can go back. Yes. When? Now? Before? Now. Can Sarah come? It turns to look at her. Her price is not paid. Do you know what happened? Do you know how I got here? There's no answer to that question. Just dead, empty eyes looking into your own eyes. And I look at the wall behind me again, and I look at Sarah, 
and sort of the empty hole that is Sarah's chest and back at the skeleton and say, take me back. Take me back. You release the coin. He places it on the desk next to a small bag of other coins and strikes your name from the list. And then you wake up in your body with a gasp. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't supposed to be fully, but it worked. <laughs> uh, uh, it is at this point where you can now use magic. <laughs> so uh, for the viewers at home, what arcana does uh, Ermengarde have? Um, so the, is that the spells that I'm able to cast? Um, you have both rotes and arcana. So the arcana should be on the front. And one of them that you have, I know, is death. Oh, yeah. Death. Mostly death, a little fate, a little matter, and a little time. Mm. Three deaths, one of each of the others. What are you, um, so you return to your body. What are you doing? Um, is my body still in the pile of other bodies? Yes. And uh, Okay, so probably initially, unceremoniously kind of pulling myself up away from the pile and, you know, again, backing up, you know, against whatever the wall is. Probably being pleasantly surprised to not sink into said wall that I back up against. Mm -hmm. um, can I see Sarah's body in the pile? Yes. I try to her body out of the pile and shake it and see if there's any anything there if if she's at all still present in her her person feel for a pulse anything upsettingly she's a little hard to pull from the pile because there are more bodies that have fallen on top of her okay and you do it and see that she is missing her heart just as she was in your vision okay probably immediately let go of of her um, and start frantically looking around for whatever the most immediate way out of this room might be um, the uh the doorway or the trap door above opens for a moment and there's a little bit of light as a body slides down with a onto the pile. And in that light, you can see that you are in a long underground corridor. It appears to be some sort of catacombs where the walls are made of these skulls. Okay. Is there any source of light other than when that trapdoor opens? Give me a wits plus composure check. Okay. 
Oh, and you gained a point of composure. Ooh. When you awaken, you gain a point of a resistance trait, and I think that going to the land of the dead has made you much better at keeping your cool. That feels reasonable. Um, also, am I aware of the fact that I can do magic? Or is that just a mechanical truth right now? Your character is not entirely aware that you can do magic. You can tell that reality is not what you thought it was. There's something strange about it. And out of character, you can absolutely cast any kind of spell that you would like. Okay. Cheers. That is a full failure. The highest number I rolled was a seven. Most of them are threes. <laughs> uh, you are too concerned to make out anything else before the trap door closes. Okay. I'm going to start to kind of, I guess, but first feel to see if I still have the, the firearm on me. Do I? No. Okay. And I also, I assume, don't have the bullets or the powder or any of the other. Uh, actually, you do have the powder on you. It was a small pouch tied to your um, belt. Okay. So that is both reassuring because it is something I could potentially use and terrifying because it means that the memory of why I'm here is more true than I want it to be. Um, and otherwise, is it just me in my gown, my kind of ripped up gown? Yes. Okay. Well, there's a pile um, of bodies, so they might have other stuff on them. Okay. Oh, God. All right. So I think I'm first going to just kind of press myself against the wall where I feel like I'm not in the light and wait another five, ten minutes, or probably feels like four hours, to see if the trap door opens one more time and there's another kind of burst of light that I could try to get a, just a second look around the room. Um, As you are waiting there in the darkness, you um, notice that the room smells terrible. Like, it almost makes a gag reflex go, but somehow you manage to hold it together. And the other thing that you notice is that somewhere far away, you can hear the sound of waves. Like, waves? The house was pretty close to the shore, but not that close. Okay. I'm going into rip if I can sort of a strip off the bottom of my gown and tie it around sort of my nose and my mouth so I kind of have made a bit of a, a mask this is not as topical as I'm making it sound I promise and um, trying to sort of block out some of the smell and some of the the sort of wretchedness of down here um, feel through the, the most available bodies 
to see if anyone has anything useful left on them. If anyone still has their firearm, if anyone still has matches, a lighter, a knife, any, anything. Um, Why don't you give me a, um, it's going to be a wits plus investigate rule. Wits plus investigation. Okay. Be better than my other rolls. Man, one eight, one three, one four, one six. With one eight, you don't find any firearms. Um, you do, however, find that one of them, one of the servants, still has their wallet on them. It's tucked into uh, his sock. As you search their pockets, all the things have been in their pockets. Okay. Uh, I take. I'll take that wallet. Is there anything in the wallet other than identification? Um, um, you feel that there's some pieces of plastic, like credit cards. There's no cash. Um, maybe there's also like some identification in there, and there is also a matchbook. Okay. I take the matchbook out and kind of tuck it into the blouse of my, my gown. Um, and then I return the wallet. Mm. Actually, I go to return the wallet and then think again that maybe knowledge of somebody, they probably aren't using it. I tuck the wallet into my gown for the moment too, but separate than the matches. The matches I put very sort of separately and very, very carefully away. Um, and now I guess I'm going to start feeling myself along the wall of the room, seeing if, uh, if I can kind of follow the, the tunnel, um, hopefully towards the ocean sound if at all possible. I was going to say that there are actually multiple means of egress from here. There is one that sounds like there is that ocean sound coming from it. And as you start walking in that direction, you hear another sound come from behind you, back by the bodies. It sounds like... Um, oh man. So I do have a, so are you, are you saying that I could use the spells without knowing that I know how to use the spells? Okay. So I do have one that's ghost summons, which I believe like brings a ghost that's close to me to me. Um, so can I unintentionally cast that spell? <laughs> yeah, you can. So um, in this case, what you're going to do is you're going to roll your gnosis, which should be two, plus your death, which should be three. Okay. And is there a maximum number of times I can use each spell a day? Does it use up energy? Some spells do use up energy, but death and matter spells 
do not typically use up mana for you. Okay. Ooh, that was way better. Three eights, two fours. Okay, with three eights and two fours, you sense something near you, pulling you, pulling you in that direction, pulling you away from here. Okay, I go with that feeling. Okay. Um, you, you move quickly following this sensation and it's like you don't even need to feel the wall to know where you're going. Moving away from that disturbing sound by the pile of bodies, you run through the labyrinth of this crypt. It's massive and you can't even tell how long you run, but you can tell that the sound of the ocean is getting louder and louder. And then it breaks and you see a little bit of light ahead. With the little bit of light that's reflected on the walls here, you can tell that the skulls on this section of the labyrinth all have elaborately carved symbols on them. And there's also a number of urns here set in these little alcoves. The Direction you continue to go in that way? Um, or did you do anything else? I'm going to pause. Do I still feel the tugging, tugging me farther along? You do. In fact, okay. you feel like someone's waiting for you, like you're late. Ooh, I'm always late. Um, and... I, I will continue on then uh, with sort of that very mundane feeling of always being late. Um. The passageway opens up into a cave made of smooth stone. There is a man standing at the entrance of the cave. He is an apparated ghost kind of blue and translucent and you've never seen a ghost before. Not a real ghost like this. But you've seen some weird things. He's dressed in um, very upper class. He's got a long coat. Looks like uh, the kind of coat that your cousins might have used to go hunting. Um, he's got his hair done up in these fancy braids uh, like rolls. Uh, it is anachronistic, it's like it's from another time. And he turns towards you and you can see that his throat has been lit. And he looks at you with a smile and you can tell that he is related to you. You're not sure how you can tell it. It feels like he's communicating this idea to you but he's not saying anything. No. Are we still, have we made it to the outside or are we still in the crypt? The cave has this massive uh, exit and you can see the night sky, it's still night beyond, but there's just the faint light of the sun breaking uh, on the horizon. 
It's looking out onto the ocean and it appears that there's a massive drop here. Okay. And the figure's just sort of standing in the, the edge of the cave. Um, I'm going to shaky hands, pull out my, my matchbook and light one of the matches and sort of hold it out towards him to see if either if my eyes are just playing tricks on me and he's sort of a something in the the shadows or if I can see any better or if he backs up away from the light or, or something right or just sort of shakily hand out one of the matches towards the, the figure roll a single d10 for me ah, a three um with the three the match doesn't light would you like to try uh, this match? I will try. How full is this matchbook? There are seven matches. Six now. Okay. I will try one more. A seven? It lights and then it dies. In your hand. Fizzles out. Okay. Um, okay. You light a third match? Yeah, I'll try one more time. This one lights. You don't even have to roll. Oh, thank God. Um, and the light, um, which opens out onto this area, seems to pass through him. In some way, he's there, but he's not there. Okay. I hold the match for, you know, the precious 10, 15 seconds the match exists for, and then drop it to the ground. Um, With the light from the match, you can see that here, towards the entrance of the cave, there is some sort of carved circle. It looks like a pentagram with a skull sitting inside of it. A carved skull or a physical skull in the center of the circle? This is a physical skull, but it has also been carved. Ooh. Um, the ghost looks down at it. Okay, I'm going to reach a hand slowly out to the ghost again in the most polite way I can think of um, and say, nice to meet you. Um, uh, you sense the warm greeting in return. They introduce themselves as Byron. Okay, and this is all happening in my head, right? It does seem to be. Okay. Byron? Byron. Um. You sense that Byron understands that you're confused. Byron understands that there's something wrong. And Byron wants to help you, he expresses. Okay. I look over at the skull. Um, that you said he was sort of indicating to, too. Um, 
and say, is that yours? He nods. Oh. Um. And you sense that he is trapped here. Do you, would you, should I touch it? <laughs> you sense that there is a sense of almost relief and Byron seems to indicate that if you were to take the skull from the circle, he would show you what you need to see. Mm. If I touch the skull, Byron, will I become a ghost? No. Am I currently a ghost? Also no. Okay, I take the sort of band of fabric I had had around my face, I smooth sort of around my neck now, and I untie it, and I use that to like very gingerly lift up the skull, but not directly touching it quite yet. Mm -hmm. um, and take a better look at it. What's carved into the skull? The skull is carved with those strange symbols. They remind you of the stairs, those metal stairs that you climbed in that vision. And as you take the skull from the center of this circle, the stone that is underneath it cracks. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Byron sends you a vision. It's extensive and you'll return to this vision and experience more of it later. But the summary is that you now understand that your grandmother is actually your great, 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 great grandmother. And okay. slit Byron's throat because he was a rival. And you also understand that she has been doing this for a long time trying to bring the children of the family to a higher state of being so that she might then consume them and take their bodies. You also realize that you have reached in some way this higher state of being and that you are now in danger. Byron explains the ropes which you have written on your sheet to you and instructs you on how to make a ghost gate, a way to transform your body into twilight. He asks that you take his skull with you when you leap from this cliff. Can I ask Byron if I can come back to talk with him again? He, sent, he gives you the impression that he will be with you if you take his skull. Where's the rest of you, Byron? You sense that each of his bones have been used in various rituals. 
pulling the power from them one by one. The skull's the only thing left? The skull was too dangerous. Okay. I now more gingerly sort of tie up the skull in the, the piece of fabric and maybe even rip another piece of fabric from my gown so I have it really kind of well tied up safely. Um, and is his, his apparition still there right now though? Yes. Um, Did you have to go in the maze? No. If grandmother finds me, will she kill me too? Yes. Where can I go that she can't find me? Austin. Is there any way to bring you back, Byron? No. The dead should not be brought back. Will you be like this forever? Hopefully not. Do we have to do anything about the circle in the crack? No, but they know that the skull is gone. And they there is one more thing that you must do here. Yes. You have to go and take your mother's ashes. How do I... Wait, I've never been here before. How do I know which one is hers? And I sort of like gesture widely to the fact that there's so many of them. Um, this is where they keep the most recently dead. And she is here. And he gestures to one of the urns. Okay. I kind of skull in one arm, gingerly try to take that urn off of the shelf. Is it like a, a sealed urn or is it more of a like vase type urn? Um, it is a sealed vase, both. It's got two big handles. It's, uh, a, it's sizable and it's heavy too. Uh, massive and gray. Okay, I pull it off the shelf. Um, I am not strong. <laughs> Why don't you do a um, strength plus dexterity check then? Okay, let's hope I don't smash mom. <laughs> if you'd like, um, on any roll in this game, you can spend a point of willpower to roll an extra three dice. Okay, what do I... So in this case, it would be your strength dots plus your dexterity dots. And if you'd like to mark off a, one of the boxes underneath your willpower, you can add- Oh, I, 
do I ever get those back or are they gone forever? We'll get willpower back when you rest or when you fulfill your virtue and vice. Okay, I will expel one in hopes that this is more successful. How many more dice does that get me? Three. Okay. Oh, I'm glad I did that. I rolled a 10, an eight, an eight, a one, a one, a two. <laughs> two opposite sides. Two ones, one, two, two eights, and a 10. Uh, with three successes, you can, uh, with the 10, roll the 10 again, actually. <laughs> a one. Yeah, with three successes is enough, though. You get your arm underneath it, and you are now holding this heavy thing. You can take the whole base with you if you'd like. Or okay. You can it gently on the ground. For now, I will take the whole vase and the skull um, and look back at Byron and say, is there anything else before I go? No, they're coming. Okay, and then out into the moonlight I go. <laughs> and as you do, you become a translucent ghost and you drift down and into the waves. You follow Byron and soon wash upon the shore or walk from the waves onto the shore where you see two crumpled bodies, a woman with short cut brown hair. She seems familiar and a man in his mid thirties, he's in a destroyed tweed suit the arms, both sleeves of them, have been ripped from the suit. And he, uh, both of them look worse for wear. They have a large amount of blood on them. And that's where we'll begin our next session, because those are the other two player characters. Ooh, all right. Oh, really, that was wonderful. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, quick note. We've finished yes. most of your character, but we still have two things left to do. Virtue and okay. vice and your um, ambitions. Is that what it's called? Aspirations. That's the Aspiration. one. Aspirations. Okay. So for your virtue and vice, your virtue is the best thing about Ermengarde, and your vice is the worst thing about Ermengarde. In earlier editions, okay. It was the seven deadly sins and the seven saintly virtues. But we've moved past that Christian-based ideology. So any positive word or negative word would work. Okay. I mean, I do still think that maybe her, her vice could be envy. Mm -hmm. um, Envy of a um, Envy in, um, basically envy in the sense of, in a way that I think is so characteristic of people with a lot of privilege, is that just desire to be in any situation not theirs, in that sense that like every other reality has to be better than this reality. Um, Maybe that would be best exemplified with the sentence, I'd rather be anyone else. 
all right, like that. Um, and I would say her best virtue is that when is she at her best or what is the thing that she is most proud of herself from do for doing I think she is at her best when she is talking with people online. So I think it's that she can be very charismatic and quick-witted. Um, but Unfortunately, it never seemed to be in her circles, but she can be very quick-witted. That's maybe her, her mm, best. Like a, a positive attribute, like one of your physical characteristics or your mental characteristics in this case. What about why was she proud of her interactions online? Not just because she was smart, but because she did something maybe. Did she help out someone? Did she never give up when she was trying to find the truth? Oh, yeah, maybe it's that one, that it is, uh, I don't feel like I can say the word resilient because I feel like it's somewhere else on this paper. No, um, but maybe it's that, it's that like ability to keep like pressing through. Um, mm. The saintly virtue equivalent would be fortitude but you should write that down in a way that feels appropriate for your character. I'll start with resilient. I'll see if another word comes to me that feels uh, more appropriate, but. And you, let's, uh, before we do aspirations, aspirations give you experience points. They give you arcane and normal beats when you fulfill them. But first, look down at where you see those arcane beats and normal beats. Because yes. I counted that you got three arcane beats for various learning about spell stuff that you did. And you got two normal beats because you failed that role and then got the scared and then you ran away. Uh, your scared condition is now resolved, it's gone. Okay, cheers. Uh, additionally, because you were pursuing your obsession, even if inadvertently, uh, you also gain a third normal beat. So now you're at three and three. You get yet <laughs> another normal beat because you finished a session without, you finished a session. Even if you died, sometimes you get beats. I got better. <laughs> um, and for your aspirations, these will be the things that your character wants to do. Okay. So, release Byron. Okay, write it down. Release Byron is an aspiration. 
Um, do they have to be big aspirations? And yep. can it develop more aspirations as we go along? Small. The more, so your obsession is the big one. That's okay. If you'd like, you could be obsessed with releasing Byron. Oh. Um, I feel right now that feels like it should be smaller. I think right now my other aspirations are to find somewhere safe to be, somewhere yep. safe to stay. Um, to get a hit. Uh, I mean, we had sort of decided that one of my merits was that resource. So one of my aspirations should be basically getting to a bank or something to achieve that resource. To um, a bank, but a real bank, not a creepy ghost screen gots bank. Um, and maybe get myself clothes that are not a ripped up ball gown. Get new clothes. Very material goals. I like Stop that. It. Okay, yeah. So get somewhere safe to stay, get some sort of money, and then I'll say that stay also involves Fed. And then get, you know, myself attired in something that is less unbelievably this. Do I still have any of the wounds from do I still have a gunshot wound or the scratches on my arms or anything? Um you do have the scratches on your arms, but they aren't any damage. And as for your, the wound on your chest is scabbed over with this strange gray skin. Okay. Um, so that is not particularly concerning at the moment. So yeah, I'm gonna say, I mean, release Byron's currently an aspiration, but maybe that will move to an exception. Um, but somewhere safe to say, money and clothes that aren't these, I think are the, the initial goals right now. Great. I'm looking forward to our next session. Yay!